anybody else busy? What happened to May, right? It's just like it's the new December, which is the new September, which is the new July. I don't know. What's going on? Amazing things, actually. A lot of cool things going on around here at church. I don't know. A lot of you had kids at the Fuel Conference last night. Just imagine 500 kids filling the auditorium, dancing, singing, praising, learning about Jesus. It was insane. Uh, you know, our youth have been out in the community, actually today, this weekend, serving in the most amazing way. More people coming than ever. This week has been just amazing on the slab as we're getting, you know, uh, more and more done. As you look over there as you're driving in, you're noticing steel structures going in. And by this Tuesday, Lord willing, and weather cooperating, we should have the slab completely poured. Have that ready for BFC. And then the BFC folks are going to come. And then I guess there's some other things going on. Anybody running a marathon tomorrow? Just because, you know. I was a runner once for a short time. Had a runner's high for about four steps, went right back to pain, so, you know. And a school year, we got some students probably looking at finals, looking at that stuff kind of coming together, you know. There's just a ton going on in our life. And, and one of the things that is actually at war against our spiritual well-being, uh, at war against us having a whole and healthy inner life, is this cult of busy we are part of, this, this demand to go, that we live in a world that demands more and more and faster and bigger all the time. You know, we're in this series on well-being, and we've been saying all along that uh, there is a person who's fighting for your soul. John 10.10 10 has been the verse we've looked at each week where it says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy one of his main tools, and it is, it is a demonic tool. I'll say it that strongly is busyness, is go, 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 go. This drive we have for more, faster, whatever, is just killing us. He said, but Jesus came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. Do you know one of the things that Jesus was accused of was being lazy? Jesus was actually accused by the religious leaders of being lazy. He said, you know what? You, you sit with sloth and, and drunkards and you just recline, you take time. And, and, and he was actually accused of being Lazy, And one of the things that you're going to see in the life of Jesus, if you study the life of Jesus, is that he had this pattern of weaving within an incredibly intense, busy, overwhelming life, a pattern of rest, a pattern of breath. And, and, and he did that because he understood that is what fills the inner life. It's what makes the inner life you know, happy and full and alive. You know, um, a couple weeks ago we talked about some indications that um, our inner life was being neglected. And one we said our gauges were stuck. And we talked about that last week. And the other one said is that, you know, we catastrophize. We take little things and make them big things. We get full of anxiety. And Grant talked about that a couple weeks ago. But the third one we said, an indication that we may be neglecting our inner life is that our tank is empty. That we're just running on dry. Like Psalm 61 verse 1 says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. There is this longing for something more. And maybe you're at the point that your tank is so dry that you're alongside the road. And that you're past the point of longing. And you've gone all the way to numb. 
And you're just kind of going through the motions. And, and the first part of that video is just something you can relate with, that it's going, going, going in the same kind of routine and, and accomplishing something only to have more asked of you. And you can find yourself just living on empty. You can find yourself just exhausted. And, and, and what we're going to find today is that there is an exhaustion that comes. There's a, a weariness that comes that, that is beyond a physical weariness. It is, it is a deeper weariness than this. We've been showing you this picture of these circles for the last several weeks, describing the, the glorious way that God has made you. He has made you uh, with an outer life and an inner life. And, and this world will tell us what, what is important is the outer life. So you've got to work really fast to keep that all together, keep all the balls in the air. But what we've been saying is, is that the, 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 the Christian life and the life that Jesus teaches us and the wisdom of God from the Scripture is a life that's lived from the inside inside out and that if we're going to neglect any part of our life we should neglect the outer life and the one part of our life we should not neglect is our inner life because if we neglect our outer our inner life well then eventually our outer life is going to fall apart but when we take time for the inner life it has a way of feeding and and just doing amazing things to the outer life now now we talked about how you were created with a body and a physical body and it's important uh and, and living this life well and all the things we must do and all the activities and going to work and school and all that that's just stuff that has to happen and 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 you can be physically tired and that's one kind of tired. But, but then there's a, a, another part of our, our makeup as we're created in the image of God that between our, our body and our soul is this thing called the mind. And I don't know, that it, I don't know if you've ever experienced being mentally tired, but, but sometimes you cannot be physically tired, but you can be mentally tired. And that's where you just can't think. That's where you just can't, you know, make good decisions. That's just when, you know what, you just, you just jump to the easiest answer, you know. It's kind of like, you know, towards the end of your college career. Some of you may be at the end of your college career, and, and you've got senioritis so bad. Some of you students may, in high school, be having senioritis, and you were so done, like, in November, and you're just kind of putting it in, and, and you're just kind of wondering, if I don't pass this class, can I still get the diploma? You're that kind of thinking, well, well, there's a kind of mental tired cups where, where, where it controls your feeling. And, and when you get mentally tired, you know, when you get physically tired and you don't take care of yourself physically, you don't allow rest to heal your, your body when it's tired, you get physically sick. But, but when you're mentally tired, your life starts becoming filled with anxiety. It starts getting worried. It starts getting anxious. And then you start catastrophizing, and, and that's what happens. But, but here's the thing. Your soul can also be tired. Your soul is your spiritual self where, where you get to be who you really are and you get to express who you really are. This is the part where your creativity lives and, and your preferences live and, and, and you being just the person you were created to, 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 to be. And when your soul gets tired because it's not allowed uh, refreshment and rest, then you find yourself in a place where, where sin starts grabbing hold. You start medicating in some way your soul through activities at first that are just things that grow to excess and, and doing things too much to all of a sudden things that are destructive because you're just trying to, to, trying to, to get through. And, and then lastly, when, when your spirit gets tired, when you, when you reach that point where actually you start losing, you feel like the ability to pray, you haven't lost the ability to pray, it just feels like that. When you feel like, you know, you can't connect. You used to come to worship, and worship just used to wash over you and carry you away, and now it's just kind of numb. When you're spiritually tired, well, well the danger there is that, is that you, you, you go to despair. You, you, you start finding life as meaningless, and you start losing perspective on what 
life means in what's important. You see, your body needs to rest, and your mind needs to rest, and your soul needs to rest, and your spirit needs to rest. And here's the deal. Rest is actually one of the most spiritual things you can do. It is actually, listen to this, a command from God. In fact, it's actually one of the first commands that God gives his people. It's to actually regularly and routinely work this thing of rest into your life. And it comes in the form of this thing in the Bible that's called Sabbath. And in the word Sabbath, we tend to think, well, that's a, that's a word for Sunday, isn't it? That's like going to church on Sunday and not doing anything on Sunday. No, no, no. The word Sabbath, the root of the word Sabbath is to rest. And, 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 and from the beginning, God created the world. He created us to be people who rest. He did this in several ways. He, he got to work. Now, get me wrong. We're supposed to work. Work is good for you. The other extreme of being, you know, tired from too much work is being, you know, tired from too much rest. We've got to find the balance and all that. But most of us right now, I think, are actually needing to hear the message about rest. So, so, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. God worked when he created the, the, the world. He, he came with creativity and expression, made giraffes and animals and all the beautiful things that he made. And then he made humanity. And then it said on the seventh day, God rested from all his labors. He rested from all his labors. Now, here's the deal. God didn't rest because he was burnt out. You know, he said, I had the week, Gabriel. You have no idea what it was like. No, it's nothing like that. Here's the deal. God, read, listen now, God rest for a couple of reasons. One is so that he could enjoy his creation. So he could enjoy the thing that he's been working for. He, he went to rest so that he could delight in it and he could see the meaning in it and the beauty in it. And so if you don't take time for rest, well, well your, your life is going to start feeling like, what is this all about? And where am I going and why am I just going in circles? And you will not be able to see the beauty and the meaning of your life without this thing of rest. You'll get hard and cynical and bitter and all this negative, horrible things. Now, the second reason God rest was as an example for us. So he's saying, listen, I have created for you to work. And work is actually supposed to be a delight. But work, listen now, listen now, work becomes toil without rest. I mean, you can have the perfect job, be making great money with wonderful people, but if you don't work rest into your life, well, then it's just a matter of time till the best job that you were gifted, created to do becomes something that you're cynical about, that you're angry about, that you're bitter about, that you're not thinking clearly about. You just go in and you feel yourself kind of going, you know, I can't stand this thing anymore, where your perspective goes south. And so this is the thing of why God commands us to rest. Look what it says. It says about rest in Matthew chapter 2, verse 27. Jesus said to them, he said, the Sabbath was made for man. That is to say that God said, I made this principle and practice of rest for you. It is meant to be a blessing. It is meant to be a gift. It is meant, listen now, meant to be an act of worship. Have you ever thought of rest like that? Rest is an act of worship before God. In the scripture, it is hopelessly interrelated with this thing of worship to the point that in the biblical mindset, it's actually hard to imagine really worshiping without rest. 
So if you look at, at worship as something you must do rather than a place you retreat to and recover, well, you're misunderstanding worship. He said, the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So this is not meant to be an oppressive thing, you know, where you come up with rules and regulations, but what you can't do on Sunday and, and going to church and all that oppressive kind of stuff like that, that's not at the heart of this. Well, the heart of this is the refreshment of God. He said, so the Son of Man, that is to say Jesus, is Lord even of the Sabbath. And so here's the deal. If Jesus, here's the deal. If Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, he will show you what Sabbath looks like in your life. But here's the deal. It is worth slowing down and taking the time to figure out what rest looks like because it is the example of God. It is the blessing of God. And here's the other deal. It is the key to finding meaning in your life. That you have breath in your life to think and to think deeply, to notice things that you don't notice when you're going a million miles an hour, to enjoy these things in life, like relationships and family and God and the beautiful simplicity of a spring day and all the other things. These are the things that give our life meaning and significant, but it's only possible with this thing of rest. Now, I said before that, 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 that rest is an act of worship. It's an act of worship, listen to this now, that's based in faith. Because what worship says is this. It it, it says, you know what, God? You are the center and you are the most important. And I just want to put you in the center of my life. You know, worship is not about us. It's not for us. It's about and for God. We return it to God. And so what does rest have to do with that? Rest says, okay, okay, Father, the whole world is saying you got to move faster. you got to do more. You don't have time for this. That guy on stage doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't live my life. He doesn't understand all they have to do. I haven't got time to rest. i got to go. I'm making a list right now of things i got to do right after church tonight. And, and you're just going and going. But here's the deal. Sabbath says, okay, God, I just believe that you are at work. And because you are at work, I can rest. And in God, I just believe because of who you are that if I take time to work rest into my life, the things that really need to happen are going to happen. And the things that actually don't need to happen, even though they're in convention of my mind, they have to happen, I can let some of those go and I can trust you. And because of that, I'm lifting you up in my line. So it is a statement of faith that God, your work is more important than my work. And if I do what you commanded me to do as an act of worship, then I'm going to work rest into my life. It will absolutely change everything. And I don't know about you, but, 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 but I'll have those times where I'm just, I'm going, 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 going. There's so much to do. Listen, I'm like everybody else. I got a lot to do. You got a lot to do. But, but I'll be going, going, going. I'll be in the midst of this. And I will be absolutely convinced there's this one thing of all the things I have to do. I've just got to have this conversation. I've got to send this email. I've got, I've got to do this one task, or I've got to get this one thing done. And I will work, and, I will, and I'll just work, and then all of a sudden, I'll have that conversation, get that email, do that thing, and I'll realize it wasn't important at all. And that if I hadn't done it, everything would have just gone on just absolutely fine. I can convince myself that, you know what, if I slow down and, and I take some time to work rest into every aspect of my life, because you have to work into every aspect of your life, I'm going to talk about that in a minute, then the whole world is going to stop and, and all the wheels are going to come off. And, and so, but then I come back and God, you know what? He makes me rest. And, and what, you know what I found? And it really annoys me sometimes. The world keeps turning. How dare it? You, you know what was just a good example? Was, was an extra snow day in April. A Sunday off. You know what I'm talking about? 
Now, for you, say, you didn't have to preach. Good for you. But, but aren't those snow days? What is so magical about a snow day? It, it's forced rest. It's just one of those days. We can't really go anywhere. Can't really do anything. Let's go down to the, the, the closet. We've got four million games in this closet. Let's play one of them. You know what? Let's go outside and, and build a snowman or, or go sledding or, or let's have a conversation. You know what would be the perfect Sabbath? If somehow or another a snow day could come with all the Wi-Fi in the world stopping. After we were done hyperventilating, <laughs> you know, it'd be okay. Let's talk, you know, these kinds of things like that. I'll text you. We'd just look at our hands for about an hour and then we'd start coming out of it, right? But this is the deal. This thing of rest, it just revolves our soul. And isn't it nurturing and healing to our soul? Now, now let's, let's further define Sabbath so we're, we're, we're getting a better view of it. Because, because part of the thing we think about Sabbath is it's taking time off or taking a vacation. And that's certainly part of it, but it's actually not even the heart of it. So this is the definition of Sabbath. Sabbath is the practice and the perspective that creates a quiet place in your inner life to be with hear from, and love God. Let me say that again, because it's just worth it. It's the practice, okay, so it's something we organize, we schedule, we work in, we do in our life, and it's the perspective. Sabbath is a perspective we keep, even when we're very busy, I'll show you that in a minute, that creates a quiet place in your inner life to be with, hear from, and love God. And so the question is, is what practices... Help me to develop a perspective that I am aware in my inner life that God is with me, that that I can hear more clearly from God, and that my love for God grows. Now, for some people, that may look like, you know, quietly going to a monastery on a hill and, and just sitting and thinking. For a lot of other people, it's actually a lot more active. You know, one of the things that I have found is that in order to slow down our minds and our hearts, sometimes we have to do something we just really enjoy. This is why for some people, the practice and perspective of Sabbath is found in something like gardening. Just, just working with the hands. And for some people, it's the thing of, of yard work. And I get such refreshment when I do yard work for the first time. And then it goes downhill through the rest of the summer. <laughs> but there is something healing just about doing that with, with your hands. For some of you, it's actually running. I mean, it's actually exercising that, that for you, that is a slowing down that, that helps my inner life come alive. It's a very active thing. Honestly, for me, it's fishing. Uh, I went out this morning and first time on the water this year because my, my, my spring has been so very, very busy. And, and, and just to see the water and the structure and the beautiful and the sun, it's just incredibly healing. It, it is a practice that creates perspective. And, and for some, it, it, it's, it's quiet times of reflection with God. We all need that. But sometimes, we need the other things to get us to the point where we can have quiet times of reflection with God. Uh, you know, one example that's surprising for a lot of people is that the groups that are coming to help build the building with BFC Builders for Christ, so we're going to have over 1,000 volunteers from over 17 states come and help build our building alongside of us. You all know about that. Well, for many of them, this is the highlight of their year. This is a spiritual revival. Now, they're going to come, and they're going to work long days, and they're going to be sore. They're going to just work, work, work. But there's going to be a joy and an awareness of God and a healing that takes place in them that's going to put their life in perspective when they get back. And so that is actually a Sabbath activity. That is a rest 
for their soul. So some of it is, is very active. Now, now, don't get me wrong. Some of it is meant to be passive. Some of it is learning to be still with God and praying with God. But, but you have to ask yourself, what is the practice and the perspective that allows me to be aware of God, to hear from God, and to love God? Now, now what I want to challenge you to do is actually do some work this week in, in this. is I want to challenge you to gift your soul with some Sabbath practices this week. Okay, I'm going to challenge you to gift your soul. You say, you don't understand. You have no idea what my week is like. There's no way, you know, I'm going to be able to rest this week. Well, then you're going to do violence to your inner life. You're going to harm your soul. You're going to deaden your spirit. You're going to fill your mind with worry and anxiety. And physically, eventually, you're going to get sick. Because it's all woven in together. And so to take some time and even take a couple incremental steps. So three aspects of, of soul Sabbath that I want to encourage you to do. One is I want to challenge you to do something daily. You see, you're supposed to have a daily practice of Sabbath every day. And you do it in such a way that it gives you a Sabbath perspective. That is to say, listen now, your soul and your spirit, even your mind, can be at rest even though the whole world's going crazy around you. That's what Sabbath does. And so when you create Sabbath experiences, times where your soul is refreshed throughout the day, well, well, you are opening yourself up to, to this thing of Sabbath practices. Uh, so in my life, I have three times a day, I told you about it last week, where I just have scheduled, and sometimes it's 10 minutes, sometimes it's an hour, rarely it's an hour because I'm busy like you are, but it's just a time where I'll either meditate on a verse of Scripture or, or I'll just be quiet before the Lord, or, or I'll, I'll go through a prayer list, or I'll just unclutter my mind with all the things I'm worried about in a few minutes in my journal, and I will just get my mind, get my soul recentered. One of the things I do quite regularly is I carry memory verse cards around with me. I've got all kinds of them where I just look at Scripture, and I just go over that Scripture and go over that Scripture. I don't even think about that I'm trying to memorize it. I'm just reading it until it sinks into my heart, and then I find I've memorized it. I know it. Because it's just, it's just there. It's like the words of a song. Sometimes I will just turn a song on. I have an assistant, Susie, and she's just wonderful. She's the person who actually runs the church. And so uh, Susie, many times, I'll just say, Susie, I'm closing my door. And I'll put Do Not Disturb, and I'll close the door. And there's just one song that God has put in my heart. And I will play it like three or four times. And just quietly let it speak to my soul. Sometimes I just got to get out of this place. And I'll just drive in my truck. And I'll, I'll go. And I'll just park somewhere. And, and I'll just sit, and I'll, I'll just listen to a song, and I'll, and I'll let that refresh my soul. And what I found is, when I'm super busy and anxiety's going up, that's when it's crucial that I bring some Sabbath practice into my life. That's when it's crucial, because when I start getting amped up and worked up and anxious, and start, I start fixing things and flying and not thinking and not listening to God, that's when I'm a, a little out of control, a little dangerous, and, and i got to get back with God. Sometimes I, I go up to the prayer garden. Sometimes I can walk on the land. But, but here's the deal. These are some of the Sabbath practices that make sense to me. Sometimes I do a Sabbath declaration. I'm going to actually give you a, a prayer at the end of this. It's part of the devotion this week. And sometimes I will just read it out loud. And, and it might be something like, I'm a child of God. And, and no one can condemn me and no one can accuse me. Sometimes, uh, you know, I'll be facing criticism and, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll have a scripture or one of the declarations. I'm a child of God and God will never forsake me. He will never let my face be covered in shame. You know, therefore, I will rejoice before because God is my, my, my strength and my shield. And he will, he will 
deliver me and fight my battles. These are the declarations that I actually say out loud uh, sometimes. So you hear me talking to myself. It's just because God's there and you're not paying attention to that. So, so it's, it's uh, just the two of us. Some, it's just I expect a spontaneous moment. You know, I t- learn to take times for a spontaneous moment. And what that could look like is I'm walking through the hallway or I'm out, out and about and I talk to a person. I just have a really significant, soul-refreshing conversation. And, and, and I, I try to take time for those kinds of things. Or I'll get an email and it's just a very encouraging email about someone's story that, that you know what, is just, uh, just, boy, that's exactly what we're trying to do here at Jacob's Well. This person's taking such an incredible step. And I'll not only just read that, and I'll read it a couple times, and I'll let it refresh my soul. I'll actually forward it to our overseer board, and I'll uh, uh, forward it to a couple key leaders who are maybe in the ministry area where this person is being, uh, 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 you know, uh, impact, and I'll forward it to the staff, and I'll, I'll celebrate that, that slowing down and gaining perspective and meaning. You know, the other thing that I've, I've learned to be very disciplined in is getting a good night's sleep. I mean, just physically getting a good night's sleep. One of the things you can do in your life, just more profound than anything else, is just getting a good night's sleep. And, and, and the Bible says, listen to this, God gives sleep to those he loves. You know, when I was a kid, I used to think when I was young, man, I got to sleep like a third of my life away. And now I just want to nap. You know, it's just that kind of thing. And so this is, this is Sabbath practice. Now, some of you are wired because someone lets you do somehow or another in a bad way about working hard and all those kinds of things like that. And that's true. We should work hard. I'm all for that. But here's the deal. You feel guilty when you do that stuff. But what you are actually doing, listen, listen, listen. What you are actually doing is worshiping. You are realigning your spirit and your mind and your soul and even your physical body. Sometimes I'll just I'll just stand and worship and just take a minute. I'm recentering myself in a daily way in the Sabbath practices, and that is honoring to God, and that is the most important stuff you do all day. It, it's reconnecting you with, with the God who is at work because his work is actually more important than our work, and it creates our life with peace, and then the work we do do is just so much, much better and more powerful. So you need a daily practice of Sabbath. You also need a weekly Sabbath of practice. And one of the things I just encourage you to do is find a block for some concentrated time with God. Now, don't get me wrong. Every day, some of us should, we should, all of us should work the Word of God into our life and maybe use our daily bread or devotion. But, but what would it look like for you to say, you know what? On Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, on Friday afternoon, on Tuesday night, on Wednesday morning, whenever your schedule is, maybe you're on a swing shift, something like that, I'm going to take two hours, and and I'm going to go to Right Now Media, and and I'm going to do a concentrated time of focusing on God and His Word. I'm going to work that in my life. I'm going to work on some issue in my life. Maybe I have an issue with anxiety. I'm going to find a study of anxiety. Maybe, maybe, you know what, there's a book in the Bible I don't know anything about. I'm going to learn about that book in the Bible. And, and I'm going to try to take a block time every, every week, and, and I'm going to do that. You know who does this just masterfully and beautifully is my wife. It usually happens around our house on Saturday morning. I'll wake up after she wakes up, and she's got books and her iPad, and she's praying, and she is the most beautifully voracious journaler you've ever seen. She writes down all the memories of the kids. Kids do something special to write it down. But she does that as a discipline in her own life. It's the most beautiful thing to see. And I'm so delighted my kids have grown up watching her do that. And I hope someday they appreciate just the incredible spiritual uh, work that was that made her a better person, which probably saved their lives on many occasions just because she got centered. 
But this thing of a spiritual practice of having a time in the week set aside for this is about you, Jesus. This is about you, God. This is the place where I'm really going to do some dig-in work into this wonderful place. Maybe if you get out in the woods, maybe some other thing, but a weekly time of setup. Now, the third thing is a seasonal thing, and this is a time away. I don't know if you know this or not, but vacation is biblical. Vacation is biblical. So what do you mean by that? If you look at the scriptures, there were times of Sabbath healing throughout the, 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 um, the Bible. There are Sabbaths that lasted a day. There were Sabbaths that lasted a week. They called them festivals. They called them feasts. And they would have different religious things they did. Sometimes they'd go up to Jerusalem. Sometimes they, they had this one where everybody moved outside of their house and they went camping, basically. I'm exaggerating. But they built booths in the, 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 uh, the yard and you were supposed to live outside to be reminded of the time where you were slaves in Egypt and you did not have a home. But it was a time where... The kids were out and the neighbors were out and you weren't supposed to work and everybody was together and it it emphasized family. It was a beautiful thing. Now listen, God was supposed to be at the center of it. And so, so, so... It's still about God, but, but these times of refreshing and creating memory, listen, these are the things that create meaning, that remind you what's important, that, that recenter you in just a wonderful and a lovely way. And, and so to take a long weekend, to take some time, is actually a very good thing. Now, one of the things that we learned is that when we were younger, we'd get so busy that, you know, we would take vacation. We'd take a vacation. We wouldn't think, well, God on the vacation because we get out of our patterns of study. And, but one of the things we've learned to do is bring God on vacation have different elements we do that are about God in terms of Bible study or prayer or, or worship times together or even going to church at a different church and, and, and to bring God as part of that seasonal thing. One of the things I love to do, I uh, have loved to do, is, is when we had a cabin, I'd go to the cabin and, and every morning I'd have that, that one concentrated time in the morning you know, just, just with God and, and it was just a holy thing. But these practices, these practices of, 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 of Sabbath, are God's gift to us. They're his command, they're his blessing, and they're the thing that brings healing to you. So here's the deal. And, and, and actually, secular psychologists will tell you this, secular doctors this, is that if you're physically, you know, just worn out to the point you're sick, if you're mentally just, you know, I'm just fried, you know, if, if your soul is just, you know what, I, I don't know if I could pray, if your spirit just feels dry, there's actually only one thing, one thing that will heal you, that's rest. I mean, what does a doctor say when you call him, feel this, I feel this? Well, okay, take an aspirin and get some rest. Drink lots of water and drink some rest. And, and drink some rest. <laughs> I need some time. Just I'm going <laughs> to go fishing in a couple weeks and looking forward to it. Get some rest because they know that rest heals the body. And, 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 and what does your soul need? It needs this practice of Sabbath. I, I said earlier that Jesus was accused of being um, lazy. He was called a sloth. He said, you know, you don't keep the rules. You don't work hard. You don't do all the things you're supposed to do. But Jesus called us to, to a different pattern. And, and if we're followers of Jesus, we model our life after Jesus, we should see what he says um, to us. Look at, look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 28. We've been looking at this in the message. I actually want to look at the English Standard Version uh, th- this weekend. Um, um, yeah, this is the one. Um, it says this. It says, Jesus saying, Come to me, all of you who are labored, a heavy, a labor, who labor and are heavy burden, and I will give you more to do. I will give you an assignment. I will give you rest. 
So these are the words of Jesus. I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you. So the whole idea of a yoke is two animals yoked together. You put two animals and they pull together. And he says, I'll pull with you. That's the picture. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He said, for I am gentle and lonely of heart. And you will, look at this, find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He says, when you do it with me, and you keep the perspective of pulling with me, and you regularly learn to come to me and receive the gift of rest in a daily way, in a, in a, in a, in a weekly way, in a seasonal way, you will be amazed at how life just begins to create a rhythm. And so what we're not talking about is a rule, you know, that, all right, here's the Sabbath practice, must come to church on Sunday, Uh, you're here on Saturday night, we'll see you tomorrow. No, so you must do that, you know, that kind of thing. You must do not do all these things. That's not the thing. But neither is it, you know, that really Christian, spiritual Christians get up at 4 a.m., you know, they study their Bible, they pray this long prayer, they do all these things, and then they break bread for orphans and all these kinds of things like this. God has a practice and a perspective that refreshes your soul. Now, again, everything I said about prayer needs to be at the heart of it, and and the Word of God needs to be at the heart of it, but there is a practice and a perspective that works for you. So this week, I want to challenge you to embrace the practice and the perspective of um, this thing of Sabbath. I just want to encourage you to close your eyes. And and I want to pray this, this prayer of rest with you and over you. This is in the devotion this week, so you can pick it up in the devotion and, and, and listen to the practice, but more, more importantly in this prayer, the perspective of Sabbath. This is what, what the Word of God says, or, or not the Word of God, this is what this prayer says. So we're praying. Let's pray together. Father, you are at work so I can rest in you. You are not panicked, rushed, or overwhelmed, so I don't need to push myself to do more than I can. Help me believe that because you are at work and you have a plan, everything that must be done today will be done today in your time and in your way and the things that did not get done are not as important as I may think. Help me to remember that I am completely accepted by you so I do not need to feel unworthy because of all I did not get done today. Help me remember that although this world could drive me to make bricks without straw, you never ask me to do more than I can and be more than I am. Give me courage to slow down and to listen to you, to my own heart and feel my hurts and experience my joys and become aware of my brokenness. I believe I can do this work in my inner life because you are with me and you, in you I am safe. I believe with you, I can face anything I find, and I can turn these inner trials into gold. For it's in Jesus' name, amen. Now, there's a lot in that prayer there, but that's a prayer you could make part of your journey every day. Some of you may need to pray that two or three times a day. Remember who you are and who God is and trust in his work in the most profound way. You know, there's an incredible example of what it means to trust in the work of God in communion, right? Because ultimately, what communion is, is a reminder that we can rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. There was a cross there. It's not there. Wasn't there a cross there? <laughs> what was I talking about? Communion. <laughs> that threw me, I tell you. Because on the cross of Jesus Christ, Jesus did work 
that we could not do for ourselves. And many of us have tried to do that work. We've tried to make up for our sin, right? I'll work harder, I'll do more, I'll get religious, I'll prove that I should be loved by God, you know, I'll I'll, I'll earn in some way God's favor, his approval, his salvation. And Jesus said all of that is not only ineffective, it's not necessary. Because when Jesus Christ came on earth, he, he took our sins and he carried them on a cross. He was nailed to that cross. He was taken down by that cross, put in a tomb with our sins. And he came back, carried all, did all that work. He came out of that tomb resurrected, left our sins behind. And so what do we do to gain that salvation, to, to gain that freedom? We just simply rest. We trust as an act of worship. Trusting is an act of worship, saying, God, I just trust in what you did for me on the cross, not what I can do for myself. And so this thing of communion is an act of Sabbath. It's a, a practice that we do that creates a perspective that the work of salvation has been done. And this weekend, as we take communion, I want to challenge you to let this be a springboard into your week, into your life. Whereas you take communion and you say, God, you know what? I, I'm trusting you for my salvation. Just again, I'm remembering that you did the work for me that I could not do for myself. And because I'm trusting in you, you know what, I'm going to trust you with, with this thing of Sabbath. I'm, I'm going to quit resisting it, and I'm going to make a Sabbath practice in my daily life. And maybe that's what you're going to do. Maybe you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to carve out a Sabbath practice weekly. Maybe that's the step you're going to take. Lord, I'm, I'm going to take a Sabbath thing where, where, where we're, going to, we're going to plan a time to, to get away, and, and we're going to incorporate um, you into this experience of, of, of taking time. But, but it's a reminder that our work is not what really matters. It's not what we do. It's what he's done. It's his work. That's why when he died on the cross, one of the last things he said, he says, it's finished. It's done, complete. Couldn't be better. Nothing you can add to this. And so as we take communion this weekend, I'm going to challenge you to let it to be an invitation for you to enter into the rest of God, for you to enter in to just trusting into what he can only do. I want to share a couple things here about communion at Jacob's Well. Here at Jacob's Well, we don't have a lot of rules about communion, you know, because what we believe is that this is a symbolic remembrance of the work that Jesus Christ did 2,000 years ago. The incredible thing that happened happened back there. It happened when he died for our sins. And so the bread reminds us that his body was, was broken for us. When we, we take the bread, the, the cup reminds us that his blood was shed out. And because his body was broken and his blood was shed, we can have eternal life. He paid the price for our sins. And when we put our faith and trust in that, when we rest in that, we are given eternal life. You say, come on, there's got to be a catch. There's got to be something I've got to do. Absolutely not. It is a free gift, and it's waiting for you. It's when you give up on your effort, and you trust in the effort that he has done. And this is an invitation to a life where we learn to rest in him so that the things we do, they just become so much more powerful, so much more real, and, and it just transforms us. And so here at Jacob's Well, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you believe that he really lived on this earth, that he really died for your sins, that when he died on the cross, that forgave your sins, and you put your faith and trust in his life, death, and you believe he rose from the dead, well, then you're a brother and sister in Christ. We'd invite you to come to communion. I also want to let you know that if you have a gluten allergy, we actually have a gluten-free option over here that you could come so that everyone can participate in communion. I'm going to go ahead and invite the team to come out. And as they lead us in this time of receiving communion, um, I want to again encourage you to rest in the comfort of God and the work of God that only he can do. I want to encourage you um, to, to just um, 
um, receive communion um, as an act of worship. The ushers are going to come and come on up, and they're going to prepare communion as I pray. And um, as they come, um, um, they will dismiss you by aisle as we have communion. Let's pray together. Father God, um, I thank you that although the other gods of Egypt were cruel and they demanded more, that the false gods even in this world today that try to get us to do for them, Father God, are completely different from you. Where there was an evil pharaoh who said we had to make bricks without straw, you have freed us from that slavery and you have taught us to rest in you. Father God, help us to see just um, the, the, the radical trust it takes to rest in you, the act of worship that it takes to rest in you. Father God, help us to just be a people who just, um, just have learned, Father God, that your work is the work that matters. And that when we rest in you, you transform how we live our lives and the work that we do to be the stuff that you would have us to do. And so, Father God, as we take communion, may we once again rest in your salvation. And may this be a launching place for us this week to take steps to, to find our inner life refreshed by learning to rest in you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.